coming to you from the pit in Royal Grande, California. Your hosts, John Hackleman and Dr. James Casper. It's time for Pitmaster and the Doc. Hey guys, Pitmaster here. I'm here with the Doc, and that's why they call it Pitmaster and the Doc. All right, so we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about um, a couple of a couple of kind of uh, touchy things with me. One of them is this new weight cutting um, manifesto that they're putting out. I think it's going to be, I don't know if the organizations are putting it out or the the commissions are, but either way, I don't like it. Um, I want to talk about my experience this weekend at Bellator, uh, both the good and the bad, and talk about some other martial arts uh, stuff. First of all, let's talk about this weight cutting. Um um, they're, they're coming up with, and I don't think they have it down yet. I think they're coming up with numbers, percentages. Whereas if you're a fighter, they're going to weigh you like when you're not in camp and see what you weigh. Then they're going to weigh you right when you're in camp. Then they're going to weigh you when you weigh in. Then they're going to weigh you right before, right when you, re, uh, you arrive at the arena, um, before you fight. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to, they say they're trying to make it safer for the weight cutting um, so they don't want big weight cuts. So you're not, if, if you're, so basically if you walk around at a certain weight, they're saying you can't fight more than say 10%, you can't lose more than 10% of that. And then when you show up the next day at the fight, you can't have gained back you know, whatever percent of that. So, I, I, I think what they're trying to do is, is they say they're trying to prevent some of the dangers of excessive weight cutting because it can be dangerous. Yeah, sparring can be dangerous. Yeah, mountain climbing can be dangerous and skydiving can be dangerous. Okay, weight cutting can be dangerous. But guess what? These are fucking adults and they're, you've been, they've been cutting weight for like 300 years. All right? Boxers, wrestlers have been cutting weight. You know, Muay Thai fighters. We've all been cutting weight. And guess what? It's, it's the same now as it was then. Right? They took out the IVs. We can't do that anymore. But everybody's been cutting weight. So... Big Brother or the, the government, right, want to come in and say, that's dangerous, so to us, you know, we don't like it anymore, so you only can cut this much. As opposed to letting adults decide how much they want to cut. You got to understand, it's a huge advantage to some of the fighters. Some of the fighters are able to cut huge amounts of weight and then fight at a higher weight, right? Because if you walk around at 230, right? Now you weigh in at 205, right? But then you're able to, and it's a skill, you're able to, to gain 20 pounds back. 
Now you're going to get into the cage at 225. So if some guys can't do that, so the guy that can has an advantage. Why would they want to take that advantage away? Here, Well, here's the flip side is what about just using martial arts as a way of saying, well, self-defense versus the sport? You kind of want to see people walking around whatever weight they are, guys that are the same weight competing against each other, at least me. I want to see in mar- the martial arts of it, a, a guy that weighs 225 competing against a guy that weighs 225 naturally. That's just how big they are versus how can I game the system and cut weight more than the other guy and then balloon back up and then have an advantage. I think the straight martial arts of it is more interesting of having no weight cut. You just These are what your guys weigh, more natural weight classes. I don't know how you do that. Weight cutting's always been part of the sport of martial arts. Right. But as part of just martial arts, of competing who's better, it's more interesting to see who's better at the same weight, to me. Yeah. Because yeah. you then, see fighters where one guy cut more weight for the weigh-in, and yeah. then he's way bigger during the fight, and that's, I don't know, that's not really a fair fight. Although you can say, well, he gained that advantage because he's good at cutting weight, but at the same time, they're not now fighting at the same weight. Yeah, well, you could say that with that weight cutting could be a big advantage, and you're right about that. But then there's some guys, if you want to make it even, what if one guy just has more natural speed and power and one guy has, uh, you know, one guy's able to grapple better? I mean, so there's going to be inherent advantages and disadvantages. So maybe they go in at the exact same weight, but some guy is, is born, he just has more flexibility. So he's going to have better kicks. Right, and if he gets in some kind of submission, he has more flexibility than the other guy. There's always going to be advantages. Well, then, then you're determining who's better at martial arts, not who's better at cutting weight. Okay, then what about the guy that is able to, for whatever reason, train better, train harder, so makes himself better? Yeah, he's a better so, martial artist. Yeah, or better, he's maybe he's better trained, and then he can train at altitude, and the other guy can't, so he has that advantage. There'll always be advantages in the training. So it's not a better martial artist per se. I mean, because the weight cutting is an advantage or a disadvantage, but so is training capabilities. What, what if one guy can afford to go get hire the best trainers around so he has the best jiu-jitsu guy, the best this guy, and he doesn't have to work? So you're not having actually the best martial artists against each other. You're having one guy that has huge advantages in his training and, and, and his learning, and one guy is a, you know, can't. What, so one guy has martial arts privilege. Right. As opposed to weight privilege, <laughs> yeah, right? Right. So there's always going to be that. There's always going to be yeah, the guy. Yeah, sport. I just don't like the whole gaming the system aspect. Right. It. But but it's all gaming the system. So you're gaming the system if you can afford better trainers or you're gaming the system because you can cut weight better. So, so we're squabbling over one guy weighs 10 pounds more than the other. Go back to UFC 1. There's no weight classes. Yeah. You just fight. You get a Gracie out there fighting a guy that's twice as big as him. So, you know, now it's a way closer than it used to be. Right. I, I agree with the, hey, let's limit the chance for someone having some horrible weight-cutting medical problem. Um, but, you know, you're right. They are adults, but it's still a sport. It's still sanctioned by the state. They still have some control over what happens. I don't know. How do you weigh someone in their camp? People weigh different stuff all the time. Yeah. It's, it's, what did I eat? You know, yeah. I, I don't know. So, so I mean, basically to me, it's like a big, big brother coming in, like communism saying, 
you will weigh this. You will do it this way and you will do it that way. Not not it, let's it, make it fairer. It changes the gaming the system because then you game how much you weigh out of competition and out of it, camp. It, it just you turns just, they're gonna game it no matter what. Yeah, and I, you can't have same day weigh-ins because then the people that don't make weight they'll have to can cancel that fight and then it, it's just gonna be people are always gonna try to cut weight. When we had to we had we had to make weight the day of the fight. Yeah, that's you know, boxing, right? Right. So unless they do it right before they get into the ring or the cage, it's not going to really mean anything because if you weigh in that morning of the fight, you're still going to gain fucking 20 pounds. So unless you walk, you get on the scale, they get in the cage, that's the only way you're going to make them the same. And that'll never happen. There'll always be inconsistencies. So fights will have to be canceled. Probably, probably only one out of, 10 fights will actually go on because if you want them to weigh them right right when they're walking in the cage, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So fighting will just be... It would be, be interesting, though, because yeah. you would have to weigh... You would have to weigh into your optimal class so you can fight at that weight. Yeah. Not so you can just make that weight. Right. And that in that way, it would be safer. You could have more weight classes and you could fight at more of your walking around weight where you're optimally... You right. know, where you're going to perform optimally. Right. So th I think that's an interesting way from a martial arts perspective to see people compete. Is let's compete. Let's weigh you, get in the ring, and compete with someone that weighs the same. Or, right. Or maybe it only has to be within 10 pounds or whatever. I don't 10 know. pounds is a lot of weight. But, okay, so if, whatever, if they did that, that would be great. Everybody did that, that would be great. If the, the, the promotion did that, that would be great. I don't like a commission coming like i agree with the commission taking care of the the injuries after the fight right i agree with that um i agree with a commission providing a what referee and 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 judges but i don't think they should come in and 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 in this for their for their sake of safety um just set up all kind of barriers and well, all I kind of rules. the commission has a role in hey is this fighter healthy to fight you know, yeah. does he have HIV or hepatitis? Is he a risk to the other fighter? Is he healthy? Does he have a cardiac issue? Those are pre-fight health issues the commission oversees. Yeah. This is a pre-fight health issue. It, it kind of falls under that same umbrella of is this fighter healthy to fight? If they're dehydrated and have a metabolic imbalance because they cut weight wrong, are they healthy to fight? And they're trying to limit that. Yeah, but every fighter is going to cut cut weight, and they're going to go through different phases of, of you know, clinical, um, of dehydration. But it sh it should only matter when they get in the cage. It shouldn't matter any nothing else. It should be the same. They should be the same weight when they get on the scale, and then they should. It, it doesn't matter once they get in the cage, unless they want to move the scale. To right when they get in the cage, but then fights will just fights won't happen. I'm telling you, they won't happen. And if they want to test, if they're that safe, they should be at the gyms making sure the guys don't hit each other in, each other in the head. Because as you know, and I know, most most acute brain injuries happen because there was an acute brain injury that happened in sparring. So if they really want to protect the fighter, that would be the number one way. Make sure they don't have that. You know they they don't they don't have back to back concussions, right? Well, if you lost most of your money if you didn't make weight and you weighed in right before the fight, that isn't going to go on very long. Fighters are going to make weight. If you're if you lose your purse if you don't make weight, 
You mean before the day? Yeah, like say you have a weigh-in right before the fight, and if yeah. you don't make weight, you lose eighty percent of your purse or something. Right, like that. but I don't think I don't think I don't think uh, there has to be a penalty for not making weight, so that it, there's a strong enough incentive, so you don't have to cancel a bunch of fights. Because I mean, that's the downside if you weigh them in right before, is the fight gets canceled. Right, and then and then how long will that last? Who knows? Because you know the weights weights are real tricky thing. Some people you know fluctuate a hell of a lot. Um, so now all of a sudden, what if they start feeling a little better and eating a little more or feeling a certain way and eating a little more, but they had to curtail it because they had to be a certain weight during the fight. But if that wasn't natural for them and they actually had to now dehydrate just to get in the cage. So then they should fight at the next weight class up and then that doesn't happen. But it might not happen the next fight. Yeah. To me, this has been going on for a few hundred years. Let's go back to no weight classes. I, I think either no weight classes or just keep it the way it is. It's not, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, I mean, what is really going wrong? How many people, you know, are, are, are dehydrated? The videos are scary when you see right. fighters weigh in and they can't hold themselves up. They're being helped onto the stage. They look delirious. That's not healthy. It doesn't look healthy at all. No, but then... Also, even worse than that is a fighter getting knocked out in sparring. So, I mean, I think that's much more serious than, than the other. So if you're going to go after one, I say you go after the, the brain damage before you go after the chance of being dehydrated. Bing. I don't know. But anyway, so my guy was a lot lighter. So you had a fight. fighter in Bellator this weekend. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things. He wants to weigh in near his, his walking around weight. And his opponent obviously didn't because he looked a lot bigger. And, and his opponent didn't cheat by any means. He, he did everything by the book. And so did my guy. But my guy didn't really cut weight. He, kind of, he almost fought at, at his walking around weight. And the other guy obviously didn't. So the other guy was much bigger and stronger. And, 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 uh, and that to me, that made a big difference in the fight. But I threw in the towel. Okay, and I'm known for throwing in the towel. And Big John McCarthy, during the, the, the UFC uh, um, rules meetings, used to always tell the coaches, hey, be like John Hackman. You make our job easier. If you think your fighter's hurt, stop it in the corner and throw in the towel. And I'm known for doing both. So um, this one, though, this one was different because I don't know why, but my fighter took a really hard punch. And I was like, oh, shit. And he went down. And he had been—he lost the first round. He got outpowered out. The guy was freaking good and strong and a lot bigger than my He's guy. He's a lot bigger, but your guy kept going forward. My guy would not Man. stop. He, he, kept, he told me, he's like, coach, all I want to do is get my hands on him. He goes, I know I was getting hit. I know I was getting beat. I just wanted to get to him. And he did. He just kept, like, chasing the guy around the cage and getting pounded but he didn't take one fucking step backward. His name is Castle Williams, and he's he. That was probably one of the most brutal, tough fights I've seen. Where the guy, he didn't even think of strategy. He just wanted to get his hands on this guy, and he was getting beaten while doing it. But he had no backward steps at all. So he didn't win this fight. It proved three things to me. Number one, Castle Williams has to has to go down in weight. Okay, number one. Number two, Castle William has the fucking heart of a fucking lion. He has the heart of a lion. 
Okay. He was he had one eye pretty much swollen his, his shut. His eye was swollen and he's shut. he's still going forward, but he got caught. I, he he was got his, caught. Was it his right eye that was swollen? Because he got caught by a yeah. left hook as he was advancing. And the his opponent was retreating and got him with a left hook and knocked him down. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't think he saw it coming because his eye no, was closed. His eye was closed. And and he number two, heart of a fucking... All he wanted to do was tag the guy. He was trying everything just to hit him. Terrible strategies, like he was following the guy around, he didn't move his head, because all he wanted to do, like Chuck Liddell towards the end of his career, when he lost his chin, all he wanted to do was lay his hands on that guy. He didn't think of strategy or winning the fight. They just think of hurting their opponent and and being a fighter. So that's number two. Castle Williams did that. Number three, this is something that when, when you have a fighter, you always have to know, do they have a heart? You can't tell that in the gym. You can't tell them watching them hitting the bag. They, you can't even tell that sparring. The only way you can tell if a fighter has heart is, is they get t- tested and tried in a fight. Castle Williams got tested and tried this fight. He has a huge fucking heart. Okay. Another thing it showed was he has a fucking great chin. That's another thing that you can't give a fighter. So... If, if, if the guy doesn't have a heart but a great chin, right, then he's going to, you know, he has to rely on more skill. If he doesn't have a heart, number one, he, he won't never, he'll never make it in, in fighting, okay? But he might have a huge heart and not, not a good chin, then he's going to rush forward all the time and they just got not, knocked out cold in the first round of every fight. Castle Williams showed that he has a huge heart and he has a great chin. So with those two things out of the way now, he lost that fight. But now we can worry about him cutting some weight. And we know for a fact he's going to make it. To, he's going to go far in this sport if he chooses to. What do you think about that? Okay. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. I, watching him fight, he definitely got beat. But man, he... Um... He wanted to be there, and he wanted to win. He, and he, he, all he wanted to do was hit that guy. All the announcers kept talking about was how tough he was. And how tough much, as shit. Yeah. And, and let me just tell you, this, I've thrown in the towel before, and I always feel good about it. I know my fighter sometimes gets mad at me. The promoter doesn't like it when I do that. I've even, had, I've even stopped fights where the doctor has said, Hey, Mr. Ackerman, you stopped you stop that fight too early. I was like, Shut the fuck up. That's my fighter. I stop the fight when I think it should be stopped. I've stopped the fight in corners because of cuts. And I've had the doctor say, Well, Mr. Hackman, that you know, you don't really have to stop it for that. I go, uh, yeah, I do. That's my fighter. And so I'm gonna stop it early. My fighters know I do that. And if they don't want if they don't want that type of protection, then they can have someone else in the corner. It's not an all-good thing either. I do care about my fighters. If you hear uh, even Big John McCarthy, you know, says, you know, hey, I, John Hackleman cares about his fighters. And it's true, I do. But the downside of me doing that is my guy could have got back up and won the fight. I didn't think he was going to, and I'm going to protect him. Forget the win. I don't want him to get hit anymore. But sometimes fighters go down, get back up, go down, get back up, and then win. I take that out of their hands and I take the chance of them winning away. So it's not an all good thing that I do that. It is caring, but it's not always good. So I know there's a downside to it. In fact, this fight, when I threw in the towel, okay, it was really, there's a lot going on. It was, you know, 
you get really emotional of the crowd, everybody at the ringside. You know, um, I threw in the towel and then I turned to go into the cage. So I had to turn and walk around to go into the cage. But the second I threw in the towel, I thought, fuck, I just fucked up. I made a mistake. Castle's going to get up and knock this guy out. But then I threw in the towel, so he's going to lose anyway. And everybody's going to be pissed at me. I just made a huge mistake. And my heart just dropped. And I was like, fuck, what did I just do? And then I looked in the cage, and the referee was stopping it. And Castle was really hurt. So I wasn't happy about that. But I knew I did the right thing. So that, that split second of hesitation and, and, and it was it was like an overwhelming like fuck I just fucked up and I didn't so I was happy about that but I was not happy about the outcome of the fight you know You're better but, off throwing it in a little too early than a little too late no I know that but it's kind of like in medicine if you take out a healthy appendix every once in a while that's okay because you're erring on the side of not letting something go too far and that's accepted in medicine. That's accepted. You have a certain percentage of appendix that you take out that right. were normal, but and that's okay, and that's actually accepted. I don't look at it this that way. A, this is like an appendix. I look no. This is how I look at it. I thought it could I have mean, ruptured. No, but I thought he was just when I threw the towel. He was getting up. I visualized him like knocking the guy so out. So do they go over with you what the protocol is for throwing in the towel? You're not, you're not supposed to do it. It's illegal. It's illegal. So there's no because you throw it into the center of the ring, even if. But I've never been stopped. I've never been. So they don't. There's no. What if you want to stop the fight? You're supposed to get in touch with a ringside commission guy, and he's supposed to get in touch with it during the fight. Yeah. So that's that's like waiting. That's like somebody breaking into your house with a gun, and you you calling the (laughs) cops, waiting for the cops to get there. When when that happens, you throw in the towel right away. Um, But I mean. I did the right thing, but to me, the way I had that overwhelming fear, I had, I just, it was like, I panicked for that split second. So you say it's like cutting out the appendix, but in my mind for that split second, it was like somebody comes in rotator cuff, you take, you, 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 you fix the other shoulder, you dig into the other shoulder. Or you thought you did. Yeah. Yeah. And then you realize, oh no, it was the right one. Yeah. So I would be a bad Oh my God. I turned and I just, I just had this overwhelming fear just come into my body, and I I was right. So anyway, thank you, John McCarthy, for the uh, unbelie- unbelievable kindness that you 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 uh, you shouted out to me, and I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me coming from guys like you. You're, you're the I mean, you're the the fucking number one referee of all times in the in the you know in MMA period, and uh, the most looked up to uh, official that's ever lived. So I really appreciate that. Um, but I did what I had to do. I got to tell you too, Bellator just churns out the fights. Oh God. It's just nonstop. And they book so many fights and then they have the main card. So they just stop the prelims and then the prelims just keep rolling after the main fight. They just keep going. It's just nonstop. It's a really good organization and, and, and I've had really good experience for the most part being with them. Um, um, it's a lot different than the UFC. The whole presentation is different. The whole behind the scenes is different. It's like a, it's like a whole different thing. Well, you weren't asked to leave this time, were you? Thank God, no. <laughs> That's good. Um, but I guess uh, Antonio did see the douchebag guy, um, and he said it was kind of a weird thing. They gave each other looks and stuff. But I mean, I don't know. 
Let's talk about the main event real quick. I know you didn't see it, but it was a really close fight. Did you stick fight. around and watch it? No, I, I rushed out of there. I didn't want I didn't want to wait, but I got I went back to the hotel and that's where the, the get together was. Everybody was hanging out at the local lounge, right? It was a Westin, which was like a high end hotel, and everybody's hanging around at the lobby bar. So I was there with my wife and Glover and, and What was and Glover doing there? Glover came to, to support uh, uh, Leota. Oh, okay. He just went to support Leota, and we hung out, and he supported uh, uh, Castle, and and having Glover around is like just fucking, it's just such a sweet, nice, caring guy, and he has so much respect for everyone, and everybody has so much respect for him. So just him being around is so good. It just makes everybody feel so much better. Uh, so he was like there for us, and um, so he was there at the, you know, he left too, um, and then Nick Diaz was there, and sm- Sam, smiling Sam Alvey was there. I love that guy. He was smiling all the time. But so we watched it on my cell phone on the Dazen, um, uh, and watched the rest of the fights. To be honest, I love Leota, and it was a really close fight. I think it could have gone either way, but I definitely don't think it 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 was uh. It was a bad call. You know, like I never, if I was in, if I was in Leota's corner, and the other guy that got the decision, I wouldn't have fought it. And to be honest, if I was in um, Gegar Masasi's uh, corner, and they gave it to Leota, I wouldn't have stopped it. I think I think it could have gone either way, but I definitely see why it went to uh, Mustafi Mustasi. Uh, it was a good fight. Was that the co-main? No, it was the main. It was the last fight. It wasn't. It wasn't the greatest fight ever. Um, there was so much strategy involved. Um, it was so much strategy involved, and they were. There was so much posturing, and, and and they both just nobody really pulled the trigger and just went for it. So it was a good fight, not a great fight. A strategic fight, not an action-packed fight, um, but. Uh, I, I, I could, I could agree with the, uh, I wanted Leota to win, but I definitely could agree with, uh, the decision. So, got to hang around with him, got to sh- hang out with Greg Savage from Sure Dog. Great seeing those guys. Um, it's a really well put together show. It really, Bellator does a fucking great job of putting their shows together. And they, unlike UFC, they have a lot more fights and they just, they just one after another. You're just... In, you're in. Then the guy's out, the next guy's in. And they pack them in. So how do they do filling up the forum? Uh, well, you weren't there for the main card. No, but I don't think they filled it. I, I really don't. Um, I had a friend of mine come uh, that's helping me with my online course. He's uh, one of the online guys. He's an online course expert. Uh, his name's Andy. And, uh, and I got him a ticket and we hung out a lot. And he had a great time hanging out with the fighters and coming back to the uh you know the hotel and hanging around everybody showed up everybody that fought showed up and we all hung around together it was kind of like an after party at the Westin uh hotel lobby but it was it was a shit ton of fun so it was a great experience but uh but that's that but so that's that's I mean I mean we talked about a lot of stuff that's I mean that's how I feel about the weight cutting uh that's how I feel about stopping fights you know I feel I would rather stop it on. I would rather err on the on the side of uh, caution than 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 not. I think it's the I think it's the corner's job 
even more than the referee's job to stop a fight that needs stopping. Um, I don't think you should leave it up to the hands of the referee. Um, and, and if a referee stops it before you do, then that's great. And, and unless he stops it too, too early, which I, to be honest, I've seen so little of that. It's not even, I can't even count how many times that's happened. But to me, all you guys, if you're, if you're a corner man, especially the lead corner man, it is your responsibility to not only uh, give, your, uh, give your fighter relative, relevant, and, 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 and short and precise instructions between rounds, as well as trying to get them as re reinvigorated as you can, which is hard to do in about 20 seconds. But your job is also to protect your fighter. If they come back to the corner, the first thing I asked my fighter was, where are you right now? If he didn't give me the right answer, I would have stopped it in the corner. Okay? I would have stopped it in the corner. He looked at me, he goes, Coach, I know where I am. I'm at the forum. I said, what gym do you train at? He goes, I train at the pit. Coach, I'm fine. He had one fucking eye swollen. All he wanted to do was get back out there and fight. That is how tough Castle Williams is. And I was like, okay, so you're all right, bro. Okay, I'm going to let you go. Now, I'm not saying that's a good way to do it all the time. Uh, but I put the safety first, and then I worry about strategy. Then I start getting into some strategy. Move your head more. Don't cut off the cage. Don't throw kicks. Start throwing pound, you know, harder punches. Um, but I want to make sure he's okay first. If he came back and he was just like, you know, bleeding or, or his leg hurt or something, I'm not going to say, are you okay? I'm not going to ask him that. Because that's going to put that into his head. So I didn't ask him, are you okay? I asked him, where are you? Right? Where are you right now? And if, if he's rattled, a lot of times they'll go, they don't know. So if he looked at me, he goes, I don't really know. Fight's over. So that's why I do that. So that's what, that's interesting. Because on the sidelines in sports, if someone gets a concussion, we do a mini mental status exam on the sidelines. And one part, just one part is orientation. Yeah. It's. Where are you? What quarter is it? What's the score? You know, you can, like in a, in a game, you can ask them a little more yeah. questions about the immediate yeah. surroundings. You don't really have You don't that. have 20 seconds. <laughs> well, no, but you ask them those things, right. but then you check also their ability right. to concentrate, their ability to memorize, their memory. You ask them to repeat words, and then you ask them a minute later to repeat words. There's a lot of, like, fine detail yeah. to judge how bad someone's concussion is. But immediately, if they don't know where they are, <laughs> they're, they're concussed. So, the problem with that approach, <clears throat> and I've seen this a lot, is they have a concussion, but they're fine, and their brain starts to swell, and then they're not fine, but they're already back in the ring. Right. In fighting, they're already back in the but ring. You can only do what you I got. can pull them on the yeah. sidelines, and there's a timeout. Football, you got time, yeah. and you can examine someone and see how they evolve. In fighting, you can't see how they evolve. Right. You got you got a few seconds to ask them a question. That's yeah. a good question. That, that was, that Where was, are you? That's that's the mini mini mental status yeah. exam. That's all that's I the, got. That's all that's I got. That's the micro mental status and, exam. So that's that's all you, you got. Barely any time. But you can also look at them and see if they're oriented. You you know you watch guys. They go back to the wrong corner. I mean. <laughs> but you know what? During a fight, I've gone back to the wrong corner, not concussed, just because there's so much adrenaline, so much going on. So I don't ever look at that one, even though some people do. They're leading their guy to the wrong corner. I don't think that's wrong. I, I mean, I don't think that's an indicator. And and there's other indicators, you know, all, all kind of stuff to, we're not going to go over the Glasgow Coma Scale. We can't do that kind of stuff. I got 20 seconds. 
I'm going to ask him, where are you? Where do you train? That's all I'm going to ask him right there because I don't have any more time. I wish there was were other things where you could stop the fight and give a guy a mini classical coma scale, you know, or just ask him. You could some, ask him what round it is. That's a good question because that's no. an immediate. That's an immediate. That's, no, no. I'm telling you why not. <laughs> why? As a fighter and a trainer, half the times me as the trainer, I don't even remember what round it is. I get so involved. Fighters never remember. That's why when you hear. Uh, the, the referee comes to you each corner and says, all right, second round coming up. Because the corner and the fighter don't keep track of that. Interesting. So I keep it as something where it's now. Like, you have to know where you are, right? But what corner is, well, how you got, even if you get, like, you know, going back to the corner, you get dropped. There's so many things you're not going to remember just because of the, the heat of battle. But... Where are you? Is is uh, that's a basic. That's a basic. It's a that's a basic <laughs> one. And I wish we could stop fights during the fight to check on their uh, on their status. Like, where are you right now? But if you do that, fight's over. You lose the fight. Fight's so. over. All they know that. Uh, well, I got to tell you, people are concussed all the time. Yeah. They don't know where they are, but they come out of it during the fight. During the round, you see guys get concussed. And then they come back to, and then they can defend themselves. It happens all the time. It happens every fight. You, every fight card, you see someone that's disoriented. They get rocked. They need to recover. They're always talking about, oh, they need time to recover. And then, you know, you got to put the pressure on before they recover. Yeah. And, and the fight. Yeah. And then and the that's same just part the, of fighting. The same with an eye gouge. They give you time to recover. They give you five minutes to recover. You're you can't see straight for like five more days. It's like they give you five minutes. Like, after a gouge, like, that's going to help anything. Well, it's all you guys. It's better than nothing, I guess. No, no, yeah. Well, it's, it's, just, it's just a way to it's a way to see if they're completely blind or not, but it, nothing recovers in five minutes when it comes to an eye gouge. So, but anyway, it was a good show. Um, that, was, that was my little mini experience in the corner, uh, this fight. Um, well, let's talk about something in sports medicine. I don't know if you saw this in the news. In California, our governor... Is signed into law. I don't think it goes into effect right away. Maybe it's a couple years out. But that collegiate athletes can be paid. Not by their school, but they can sell. Like, say they make a video game about college football. Well, if you want to use so-and-so, the quarterback's likeness, you got to pay him. And he can have an agent now. So, I, I agree. If they're making money off these players, they're off of their likenesses or their personality or they want to sign jerseys and make money or whatever, they're going to allow that now. The NCAA, which oversees all of college sports, is very against it. Um, it'll be interesting because California now signed that into law where you can get paid as an athlete, but no other state has. So if so you have an they, athlete... But how can the... I, I don't think our state can oversee NC, if they're playing within NCAA. But if you're, ever, if you're an athlete here, it's no longer illegal to make money off of your name. So your NCAA must be okay with it. They're not okay with it, but they can't they don't they can't over? sanction the player. I thought they were over since uh, they're national. I don't know, but it, uh, I, I don't know how the fight's going to play out, but it, it will be interesting if you can get paid in California, but you can't in Alabama, where's that high school recruit going to pick to go? You know, they're going to have advantages to come here, play for Stanford, play for U, USC. Well, then, then that'll... that'll That'll uh, correct itself real quick. Then the other states will okay it. It'll be interesting. Yeah. So um, I think it's good. I don't, I don't think don't... my daughter, who plays NCAA sports, will make any money because she plays water polo. But but for the guys that play basketball, which is huge, the Final Four and and basketball and football, they make so much money. Those coaches make multi million dollars per year, but the athletes make they make tuition. 
the guys putting their neck on the line. Right. Well, they put their neck on the line, but then when they graduate... Yeah, when they but get... if they do or they get hurt and they never play again, they're not all going to the NFL. Very small percent are going to go on and make money playing But then sports. the percent that does makes so much more that they make much more than the coach ever will. Yeah. Yeah. It depends. The league... You know, you may go in the league and make the league minimum, which is like 500000 and then you may get hurt. Then you're done. Yeah. So... I don't know. I don't think it's all uh, glory, but the coaches in college football make so much money, yeah. and the schools make so much money that I don't know the the athletes that are out there. There, it's like a full time job for them. And yeah, they get tuition. They may get a stipend for living or transportation. They may feed them, but they're not making any money. They're going to allow them to actually make money, not from the school, but from side, kind of like a side hustle. Basically. Maybe this could go to help uh, Bernie's free education. Yeah. Somehow they can <laughs> let it all flow through. But I don't know. I, think I thought that was an interesting development in sports medicine that, or in sports that this is well, brand new. Yeah. This has never happened before, so it'll be interesting. Well, it's never out. happened per se, but I mean, well, it happens in Cuba. Well, it, then, it also happens in sports and then they get caught. Yeah. <laughs> so. And then professional athletes now can play in the Olympics, some sports, right? So that's pretty cool, right? Don't yeah, the, yeah, the basketball players. And the baseball, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is they, there they baseball allowed, in the Olympics? That was our dream team in basketball when they let all, them all go and play in the Olympics. Isn't that weird? It's just such a weird thing, the pro-amateur thing. Well, if, you're, if it's the Olympics, you should just pick the best athletes, whatever, no matter who they are. Yeah. And boxing, that would be really interested in boxing. So, anyway, guys, all right, so we'll be back next week. Fight's coming up. Whitaker against this Israel. Is, uh, UFC. Santa, yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's in Australia. Da- Aliquinta against Hooker. I think that'll be interesting. Shuey, uh, Shuey well, is shoe, fighting. The one that drinks the, uh, <laughs> he drinks a beer out of a shoe. Ty yeah. Tiavasa. Yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting. And then, and then the I girl. thought Holly Holm pulled out. Yeah, she's she still did. listed on the website as fighting Raquel Pennington, but yeah, she something with a hamstring or something. She has a hamstring avulsion or some kind of injury, which could be pretty bad. Yeah, well, so, I hope she fights. It sounded like it did need surgery, but those need time to recover. So she's not fighting. Uh, or at least she I heard she pulled out of that fight yeah we had a girl fight this week and it was a a good girl M- MMA girl her name was Shannon I forget her last name but she's all around MMA she fought a boxer who had like won the silver I didn't know there was girl boxing in the Olympics um, she won the silver medal so she was a boxer trains with Randy Couture now so she's obviously learning a lot of wrestling and stuff um, uh and this girl was so tough that she was fighting. Um, she beat the shit out of this girl the first is this round. Is this a Bellator or where is it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I was, the girl's in our dress room. And, you know, uh, then the second round, her, her corner just said, go to the body. And this girl gets beating the shit out of the other girl. The boxer's beating the shit out of her. But then all of a sudden in the, uh, in the second round, she landed a liver shot and the fight was over. So the liver shot just ended it, like, right, boom, right there. Does that count as a knockout? That's a knockout. That's a knockout. So body shot knockout. Yeah. It's not a TKO. They they use, they interchange KO, TKO, doctor stoppage, ref stoppage a lot. But I think overall, if you, it's like whiskey. You got bourbon, you got scotch, you got, you know, you got malted, uh, or you got blended, um, but then whiskey is the umbrella over it all. I think KO is would just is a KO. Anytime the fight gets stopped, it's a KO. 
So, but anyway, we'll be here next week, guys. If you got any questions, comments, concerns, um, let me know. We will address them here. Oh, we're um, supposed to have uh, Herb Dean on next week. Herb Dean! Herb next Dean! Week. Next week. We're going to have Herb Dean next week. I wonder if he's refing these fights I don't know. in Australia. I think he said he's available Monday, though. He said so he'll, be, he'll be here. He'll be here. Herb Dean will be here. All right, thanks for coming, guys. All right, see you, John. Thanks.